Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jen Lilly, who is part of Project Orphans and with May just around the corner, uh, part of National Foster Care Month, who's also a foster mother of, in her own right. Jen, how are you today? I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm great. You know, you're the face of Hallmark Channel. You're a musician. You're a mom. You're a foster mom. You know, you're you're doing it all. And you got a podcast. Yeah, that's so exciting. I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah, you're calling it Fostering Hope, which is a great, catchy name. Thanks. You know, um, what made you decide to become a foster parent? I mean, you know, I don't want to get, uh, maybe this is too personal. Were you adopted mm -hmm. or were your parents foster parents? And it was just something that was a part of your life that you wanted to be a, a huge uh, beacon for other people? Yeah, that's a great question. Not too personal. I have no boundaries. Um, <laughs> so I, gosh, so many things made me want to be a foster parent. You know, I think it started as a kid. Um, I was, my, my dad, my parents have since retired, you know, cause they're in their sixties and they deserve it. Um, but when, when I was growing up, my dad was a judge and my mom was a director of a women and children's charity. And so they couldn't formally be foster parents just because there's a lot of like bias, you know, that could go in and in foster care, the goal is family reunification. So the goal is to put the children back with their birth family in any way possible if they can. And your job as foster parent is to basically help heal that child, be supportive of the birth family. And so it's reunification is the goal and adoption when necessary. But because there's a lot of legal things that go on with that, my parents could not formally be foster parents. However, growing up, we did have people from time to time who would live in our house. So I was very used to it as a child, um, the idea of, you know, maybe sharing my room with my sister so that somebody could have my room and just making room at the table for someone else. So that was planted in me as a young child, um, and I had a really positive experience with it. And then, um, long story short, because there's so many ways you could get involved in foster care, I became um, an advocate for children back in around 2011. I was doing a lot um, with the world water crisis, and I'm still passionate about water charities. There's so many amazing causes out there, I think, you know, that we should lend our voices to. You don't have to just stay in one lane when it comes to causes that we're passionate about. I'm also passionate about the environment. I studied environmental science. But at the time, back in 2011, I was really advocating for the world water crisis, and that was my main platform. And then I just started feeling very convicted about the fact that I'm here in the United States mm -hmm. and gosh, yes, other people around the world need our help. And I'm a huge advocate for that, but it's like, I'm neglecting my own neighbor. You know, it's like I'm turning an eye, a blind eye to, to like what is going on right beside me. And I just felt really convicted about that. So I started um, like anybody who's, you know, experiencing COVID-19, which uh, is the whole world, you know, I was getting really overwhelmed with the news. And I don't know if anybody else is like that. But for me, there's only so much news I can watch before I feel like the sky is falling and like there's going to be bombs. And, you know, like I just get like really paranoid and I'm like, like everything's going to crap, you know, and I can't do anything about it. And I feel so helpless. So I turned off the TV and I was like, all right, whew, what can I do? Because everyone can do something. You know, I feel like, was it Mother Teresa who said, like, small acts of kindness, you know, that's how we change the world. Just small acts of kindness that are done with love, like, that makes such a lasting impact. So I, I was researching on Google, and I found out that child abuse was a huge epidemic in our country, um, and it was just really this was this hidden thing that was going on. And so I started shining, um, shining sunlight on that issue, and then I... Um, 
became an advocate for child help, which is the one of the largest and longest running nonprofits for child abuse um, prevention and healing in the United States. They have a program that's like Big Brothers Big Sisters. I joined it. It's called Special Friends. And I fell in love with one of my mentees. Um, her name is Loria, which I can say because her case is closed now. And I stayed in touch with her, and it's incredible. But basically, she was facing reunification, which in her case was a horrible idea. And, um, my husband fell in love with her too. And, and, you know, I think in every relationship you need the gas, which is clearly me. I, I want to do everything. If it's not evident to everyone, like it's ridiculous. And my husband's the brakes. So he's like, yeah, you're crazy. Like you cannot like put your cape away. You're ridiculous. So he did not want to be a foster parent, but he fell in love with this girl. He found out she was going to reunify. It made him so righteously upset that he was like, all right, we're taking up those foster care orientation classes. And that's how we got started. We did not get Lariah, but her case was happy. She's now with grandma, which is the best case scenario. I'm still in her life. She's kind of in my family. And we have since adopted our first placement, who is our three-year-old, almost four-year-old, Caden. And then we are fostering, and it's going toward adoption, his little brother, who we lovingly call Baby J. We can't say his name until he's legally ours so that's in a nutshell my my uh, journey doesn't it feel so weird to have to sit there and go legally ours like just the phrasing yeah. kind of hurts it's so weird it is so weird because i stay in touch with their birth mom um which is not a requirement but i just care for her so much because generally the birth moms of, of the kids in foster care came from foster care themselves so you do have to give them such a measure of grace and and, and pour out so much love to them because they don't really know any better they're not willful child abusers some people are mm-hmm. But they don't know any better. And so I stay in touch with her. But it's like, I just even forget that they're, like, not biologically mine. Like, I don't love my biological daughter, Julie, any more than my son's. Like, I don't even, it's, like, not even a thing. But, yeah, it's right. too super weird to be like, oh, he's not, like, legally ours yet. I totally forget that all the time. Right. I, I had talked to people about something similar where, um, you know, my uh, – so, some of my friends and I know, including myself, I would be a terrible stepfather. So, you know, because, because I, I, I've seen too many of my friends be neglected growing up as stepchildren and mm-hmm. were treated as like pass around kids that I would never want to do that to somebody's child, especially if I had my own and it was unintentional. Yeah. But we've had this conversation so many times where like adoption was different than step because you willfully chose to bring yeah. that child into your life. Yeah, um, that's awesome. you know, usually, and then, yeah. um, you know, so I'm not saying this, God, I sound so like a horrible person for saying this, but, um, no, you, you know, you know, uh, yeah. So, you know, some people make a, a distinction and with adoption, it's not, it's not the same distinction is what I'm trying to point out. Um, yeah, it's you know, crazy. Yeah, I, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Cause we have a family at my church where they have, I think they have like, five kids, three of which are yeah. adopted. And, you know, yeah. you couldn't tell if they were biological or, or non-biological siblings. They just, you know, they're family. That's it. Yeah, it's so true. And it's so funny because I've never, you know, there's a metaphor, um, 
you know, in the Christian faith, it's like God, the idea is that God adopted us in mm-hmm. his family. Like we're Gentiles for anyone, you know, listening. It's like the Jewish people are God's chosen people. Like we've all heard that. And then mm-hmm. the Christians are the Gentiles that got invited in. And it's from like every nation, doesn't matter your ethnicity or your origin. Like you are welcome to be adopted into God's family. But I have never understood that analogy so well as since I've become, you know, a foster and adoptive parent. It's like, cause I don't view the boys any differently. And it's just, it like blows my mind and touches my heart so deeply on like profound spiritual levels when I think about all of it. Right. And you know, your, your series, uh, when hope calls is one of the most watched series, not only on, well, not only on the Hallmark channel, but on cable itself. Yeah. It's like amazing that Hallmark's doing that. Yeah. And especially that's quite helpful to be honest and hopeful, especially this time, you know, we mentioned COVID-19 and the horrors of the coronavirus and what's going on with the world. Um, I think it kind of brought everybody closer together because, uh, as, as I had mentioned before we started, you know, my parents were immigrants and, and so many yeah. things that have happened in this world where everyone's like, Oh, it's happening over there. You know, like yeah. for instance, it happened in China. It happened in Iran. It happened in Italy. It happened in France, but yeah. you know, here it's happening or right now it's happening to everyone. So there, yeah. we can't be that dismissive. Hey, it's over there. That sucks for them. Totally. I love that. Yeah, I do love that. I I hate the words, you know, there and them because it's like it's us. It's so inclusive. And yeah, you know, you really can make lemonade out of lemon to be like the cheesiest person ever. But like, it's true. (laughs) You know, we're making positivity out of it. And it's awesome. Um, You're also a musician and you've released your debut album. Um, is this a family album? Is this a Christian album? Is this a country music album? You know, uh, that's hilarious. Um, so I'm about to release it. I, okay. I, well, okay. So like, all right, let's talk about that. That's exciting. <laughs> um, so the album's been done for two years. Uh-huh. So that's why you're like, you released it. It's like, yeah, kind of. So I, back in 2018, I released my debut single, which was called King of Hearts. And obviously it's part of the album. It was mm-hmm. done. It's a, it's a very like classic album. It's sixties style. Um, it's not at all Christian. It's not like anti-family or it's not like a filthy album by any right. means. But I'm just like, I, I just like don't like for me personally, it's like, I don't need to preach to the choir. You know, I'm not, not here for that. Like, I feel like I love all people and that's what I'm called to do. And so it's a very uplifting album. Um, it's clean, but it's classic. It's classic in the sense that it's like, it reminds me of like the Ronettes or the Supremes or the Temptations, you know? So like, I love the sixties. Um, I think there's a lot of parallels with the sixties and now, you know, where you have like, sure you have like darkness and you have like drug culture and and you know like there's there was a lot going on in the 60s there was war all of that but there was an overwhelming sense of like love and togetherness and um progressive change Mm -hmm. and so you know it's like an empowerment movement um and so i think there's a lot of i don't know when i listen to 60s movies it gives me i mean music it gives me like such happy vibes so it's a classic album, which is why I was not worried about releasing it at a certain time. But I released King of Hearts in October 2018. And with all of the proceeds of that, so not just profit, like proceeds, meaning like if you donated a dollar, the 100% of that dollar went toward giving this little boy in Uganda through a charity called Project Orphans, which is super legit. Um, any charity that I endorse is crazy legit because I am extremely hyper vigilant about checking out my charities that I endorse. I mean, like I make them send me their tax reports and I want to know how they spend it and like what goes to programs and like what lines your pockets and like, do you take a salary? You know, like I'm so OCD about the charities that I support so that my fans know that they can have confidence for any charity I support. So 
Project Orphans is incredible. They exist to help um, vulnerable children and women in Uganda, Africa, um, and they just really give them community and orphans. They give them homes. I mean, it's incredible what they do. And so they had I had emailed um, and spoken to their founder, Brittany Ray Stokes, who is a force of nature. She is amazing. Um, she is such a firecracker. I, I like love her. I can't even like my hats are off to her all the time. She was, I was like, Brittany, just make me a list of what you need. I mean, as, as little as like we need paper clips or staples to like, we need a building. I was like, just give me your list. And I was looking through her list and she was like, well, what we really need. And it was like in the middle of the list. Like we have this boy named John and he needs a heart. Like he needs a new, he needs, um, heart surgery, life-saving heart surgery, or like it's imminent. Like he will die. Like he's not doing well. He's eight years old. And I was like, perfect. My single is called King of Hearts. Like let's make him the King of Hearts. So a hundred percent of my proceeds from that single went to John and, and we were able to give him surgery. And then the rest of the proceeds went to like funding Project Orphans for several months. We like covered, they were having a hard time. We covered their monthly operating budget. So that was incredible. Then I got pregnant with my daughter, Julie, surprise, surprise. And I went back to this quote, like I'm not Catholic, but I think that Mother Teresa is incredible. And, you know, so I quote her a lot because I'm like, that woman changed the world. Like she's amazing. Um, but she says like, if you want to change the world, which I do, like go home and love your family. Mm-hmm which I never understood that quote. You know what I mean? It's like, what are you talking about? But what I really think it means when I'm thinking about it as a mom is I can't save orphans and children in foster care if my own children feel neglected. So I put off the album release because of that, because I want a hundred percent of my profit, a hundred percent of my profit. The whole reason I made this music anyway, I love music but I'm an actress and I was like, I'm stepping into the music world because I really have this vision of being like the Tom shoes of music. So when you listen to my music, you're giving back to children in need. So we're, I partnered again with project orphans. We are creating project orphans USA and our dream is to create a neighborhood model. So every single parent in the neighborhood, whether it's like a row of townhomes, we may just have to start with one home and build, you know, like sometimes you have to start small and build, but the ultimate dream is to create a neighborhood model where every single house is filled with foster parents who are pro reunification that are really going to love the birth family well. And when that's not possible, they are willing to adopt the children in their care. So all of the parents in the neighborhood, they feel like they have a support system because fostering is kind of really lonely. It's Mm -hmm. weird. It's like your middle parent, but you love the child, but then you're like also like middle mom and you're trying not to judge the birth family. There's a lot of really weird emotions that go with it. You know, obviously they're not your children. So when they leave, it's just like, there's just like this whole thing where you need support and you need community of other foster parents. So that's built in. We'd have like monthly potlucks because I'm from the South and I love a potluck, <laughs> you know, like you'd have like monthly barbecues, like whatever it is, you'd have bonding. The kids wouldn't feel like, oh, they're like the adopted kid or they're the foster kid. You know, it's like everything in this neighborhood, like I don't have to explain to them like why I feel the way they feel. So there's like a lot that goes into it and a hundred percent of my profits from the album will go to that. So how I'm going to release the album, it's so flipping fun and exciting. And it's actually awesome as far as coronavirus goes. Like it's, it works. It's totally fine. So May is foster care awareness month and that lines up perfectly with it. And what we're going to do is I'm going to release a competition that we've, I've been working on it for a month. Like the whole platform has been built. We've tested it to make sure that like the internet's not going to go down and you know, all these things. So I've been working on it for several months and it's going to be called hashtag voices that gives, uh, excuse me, voices that give singular. And so it's like, Hey, 
I believe that every person in the whole wide world was created on purpose and with a purpose with unique gifts and talents. That is something that I just like believe to my core. And if you are like, I don't have a talent. Yeah, I think that you do. And so there's categories that people can enter the grand prize. It's going to be whoever collects the most votes is public voting. Mm-hmm. whoever collects the most votes wins. So there's no like bias, you know, it's not, there's no judges. It's like whoever collects the most, most votes wins. They're going to win. The grand prize winner wins $10,000 cash. Awesome. They also win press prizes. Um, I know people magazines on board to feature the winner. Um, then there's going to be different categories. There's also going to be career specific categories. So if I'm a musician and I win the grand prize, I win the $10,000 cash. The People Magazine. I win press prizes. I win um, a consultation with Big Time Radio. I'm going to be featured on Big Time Radio in 43 countries around the world. But then if I enter the actor category, because the categories are musician, actor, dancer, hidden or unique talent. So, you know, anything. Like if you're like, hey, dude, I can drink coca-cola faster than anyone that's my special skill then like fine do it you know like upload a video it's going to children collect votes it's going to be so fun um and then the next category is hallmark fan because i thought that was appropriate like with who i am and they can win like a walk-on role on a hallmark movie but so every single category there will be one grand prize winner but each category whoever collects the most votes per category (laughs) will also receive not the cash but then they'll receive like they'll see receive career or category specific prizes so like the hallmark fan gets to be in a hallmark movie with me and then they get to like tour the set of home and family which is their talk show so it's really fun it gives back to children they're gonna get like it promotes great music you know that gives back and you know it gives us something to do while we're all like sitting at home so i think it's so fun that's awesome and so your christmas movie is almost in the can and this is just when you know you're you're setting up for the next one <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, production slowed down in Hollywood. We're not doing everything. Everybody's just sitting there, like waiting. And I don't know what they're going to do when we go back to production because all of our movies shoot in like Bulgaria or Canada. Right. And I mean, I think the borders are closed, so it's, it's interesting. <sighs> oh man, no, I, I pick on Hallmark because I, I'm my guilty pleasure of the Hallmark Christmas movies. I'm not going to lie, and. Oh. Uh, you know, I mean, it's like we know it's the same exact movie. Every single one of them, you know, this one's from the city. You know, one of them's from the city. There's, you know, there's an elderly grandparent. There's an old parent. There's a kid. The parents or there's are a dead. Dog. The parents are dead. Yeah. It, it's like Batman's origin story only with a happy ending because grandpa was there or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Like lots of lots of uh, you know, if you don't want to drink, you can drink hot chocolate. But there, there are like Hallmark drinking game tropes that are the best in all their Christmas movies. You know, right. like kick up the eggnog. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know. Oh my God, they're baking cookies. I did not see that coming. <laughs> right. right, they're drinking cider. It's going to start <laughs> snowing. You know, uh, an ex yeah. interrupts their romance, that sort of thing. Totally, but, exactly. You know, they're, they're still fun, uplifting movies, and and your show is great. You know, when Hope calls, so, um, you know, f- you're filming that one in Canada, I assume. Yeah, but okay. I'm actually not in when Hope calls, but we're gonna okay. we're yet. I talk to the producers all the time. I'm like, okay, you guys really shouldn't have me on the show because I'm basically a poster child. But well, yeah, since I'm true. spoiling everything for the next season, now I guess. You know. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh yeah, that's episode three of, of next season. Uh, thanks for ruining it. Yeah. 
<laughs> but with all this, you kind of follow like the Arnold Schwarzenegger model of, you know, yeah, you need eight hours sleep, but I get sick, so sleep, just sleep faster. That's hilarious. I've never heard that. I'm feeling that. Great. Perfect. It's, I'm paraphrasing Schwarzenegger. He said, you know, you have to sleep six hours, and uh, so you get your eight hours of sleep, you're just getting it faster. That's so great. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he's got the immigrant story going with it, too. Um, you know, with all this going on, you know, mom, movies, TV, face of the network, um, you know, helping out these orphan kids across the world and then the, the foster care here in the United States. Um, you're cementing your legacy uh, as a caring and, you know, hardworking person. But what's, so. <laughs> but what's something that, um, you know, and you're, well, you're pulling it off, so you don't have to hope too hard for it. But uh, everyone needs their own their own sense of care. Uh, what's what's a level of care that you know you feel that you might neglect for yourself that your husband provides for you? Oh, I don't know. I think he just he just keeps me sane. <laughs> Honestly, like Jason's like such a good. He's not a therapist, but maybe he is because he's a man of few words and he is so sweet because he just lets me talk. And like, yes, I care about people and I'm loving and I try to always be kind. But like my friends who know me well, they're like, you're a lot to wrangle if you can't tell. Like they're like, you're nice, but you're a lot like you're extra. And so Jason is just a saint and the fact that he lets me talk all the time. And then, you know, and he saves me from like he talks me off the edge sometimes. He's like, we're not we're not going to do that. I'm like, yeah, but we could, he's like, okay, yeah, you're not. So I think he, he's like my therapist, you know, he just tells me absolutely not when like, <laughs> when it's not okay <laughs> and it's great. People and, need that. And is your daughter a little more like you or a little more like your husband? Oh, uh, she's like me. I'm, I'm like already a little afraid of her. Um, it's like she already throws tantrums. She's eight months old and it's like, girlfriend, like, I know that nothing is wrong with you. If I give you this toy, you're going to stop crying. And, like, that is not okay. So she is sassy. And, and uh, you know, my older son, Caden, my middle son, oh, my gosh, baby Jay, who we're in the middle of adopting, sweetest kid you've ever met. Like, if he was our only child, like, I feel like he'd speak five languages right now and play violin and piano. Like, he's, like, the perfect, most well-behaved child. He's now doing, like, the tantrums, but it's only because he, like, looks at you and is like, this is what Caden does. It's cool, right? Caden is so much to wrangle that I constantly am, like, trying to speak words of affirmation over him, you know, like, try to rewrite the dialogue. And I'm like, you're just a leader. Like, it's great. I just need to learn how to steer you because, God help me. Like, you're a strong-willed kid, and Julie is the same. She scares me. But if I can wrangle her, that girl will change the world. Like, she'll be like, there's not going to be orphans on my watch, you know. (laughs) She's, like, scary, and she's only eight months. (laughs) She's going to run, like, the ultimate orphanage, you know, somewhere yeah, in Eastern Europe. Like, solved. Foster care? Solved. <laughs> What's next? You know, like, world hunger? Got it. Like, <laughs> very right. sassy. Yeah. You know, clean up the water in Flint, with, you know, which we still yeah. need a little bit more help with? Got it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> so. NAFTA deal? You know, we fixed it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like she's like a beast. Yeah. Right. With all this going on, you you know, you said your dad was a judge and you grew up in the mm-hmm. South and everything else. Um, what were your parents' reaction with, with, you know, becoming a foster parent and, you know, an adoptive parent and sitting there and going, all right, we couldn't, it was it more like we couldn't do it. So we're glad you could do it. Or what, what was the situation no. with that? No, um, no, you know, there's a classic scene, there's a movie that anyone who is even remotely interested in foster care should watch because it's hilarious and it is, 
it's a, it's called Instant Family, right? So it's mm-hmm. like Mark Wahlberg, Rose Byrne, yep. Octavia Spencer. It's like a fantastic movie. But there's this scene in it that's like the best scene ever. Like I, I got, I had the privilege of watching that movie before it was released with a bunch of social workers and foster parents. And we were all like crying and laughing. And especially during the scenes, there's a scene where they're like all sitting around. I think it's like the Thanksgiving table. Right. And so Rose Byrne's character is like, yeah, like we just decided we're not going to foster. And all of a sudden her family, like palpable, like literal verbal, like out loud, audible sigh of relief. Like, oh, thank God, because we thought it was like the worst idea. We didn't want to say anything. But like, you're absolutely crazy. Like these children are criminals and like you shouldn't whatever. Like, like it was basically my family's reaction, which I was Jason's family was super supportive. They're always supportive. They're always like, that's so great. My family is like supportive, but also like Jennifer, you're an idiot. Like they're, they're supportive, but also like you're stupid. And we really think that you should think this through and we wish what you would have talked to us about it. Like they're very diplomatic. Like my whole family is like, they're all in law, you know, like I'm the, like black sheep but not like my siblings are like you're the golden child and i'm like kind of not really like like mom and dad are definitely like what are we gonna do with you you know like i'm julie like i deserve a julie because my parents don't know what to do with me i don't know what to do with her so they were very much like you don't know like what's gonna happen they were like very resistant to all of it and now they're really into it you know now they're like totally obsessed with Caden. when we took in his baby brother it wasn't a thought it was like they just it took them a while because they were also in love with Lariah, my, my little girl that we mentored. And when we lost Lariah, it was like our child died. And so I felt really bad because my, my parents like went through that like grieving process with us. And so they just didn't, I, I think that their heart couldn't take it. Right. You know, because it's like, God, they're grieving as a parent for me. And then they're grieving like almost as like a pseudo grandparent for like the child I mentored. So I think it was just them protecting themselves. Now they're very supportive. But yeah, they were definitely like most people like you're crazy. These children are criminals. This is going to ruin your life. Like kiss your career goodbye. You know, these kids, these toddlers are going to get on the Internet and tell people that, like, you put them in timeout and then people are really not going to like you, you know, because you can't give to kids timeouts these days. And I'm like, yeah, okay, Yeah. (laughs) So so you're kind of living the curse, the parental curse of I hope that you have a child that gives me as much of a headache as, you know, they give you. Yeah, and I'm just like, God help me steer Julie in the right direction because I can already tell at eight months that she is not going to be easy to wrangle. Uh, Well, at least you're having fun and you're enjoying life, especially during these trying times. Yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, Jen, before I let you go, uh, you know, we we talked a bit about your faith. How do you inspire people to keep the faith, whether as a foster parent, a potential foster parent, or suffering through a crisis, especially right now? You know, I can, I say this because I just feel like Jesus is the most inclusive person ever. And, you know, I only say this answer because it is my truth. It's my answer for my own self. When I freak out, and I do freak out, like, because I am human, and sometimes I'm watching all this news, and it's very scary what's going on. And I have, like, fallen prey to the panic of, like, what are we going to do? And, like, I don't know about you, but I feel like everybody and their brother is, like, texting me a conspiracy theory. And, like, sometimes... (laughs) I go down the rabbit hole for a second and then I'm like, whoa, I feel like I can't handle this because this is, if this is all true, then like, and it's like, whoa. So I just shut everything off. And for me personally, I'm like, there is, everything is shifting sand right right now. Like we have no anchor. We have nothing to grab on. We don't know what's going to happen next week. And so the only thing that I know for my own life, and so this is what I would say to other people, is that 
the Bible says that God is, he has no shifting shadow. He is a God who does not change and he is constant and his word is true. And he is faithful when we are faithless and God help me. I am faithless a lot. Like I am the first to say that I lose faith quickly sometimes, you know, because it's scary and you get overwhelmed, but he is faithful even if we're faithless. So for me, I just like pause and I just go back and like read some scripture for, for COVID-19 specifically. I'm reading Psalm 91. Like it talks about how there will be plagues, you know, plagues that may come. And, and they're just talking about sickness, you know, just like this. They would, you would call this a plague. Like this is a global plague that's going on. Sickness may come. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 on your right, but it will not harm you. Like that's what Psalm 91 says. And so it's like, I try to just stand on something that I feel is constant, which for me is scripture. Hopefully that helps other people. If not, I, I recognize that like people have all different faiths. And I, I just would say that like, I, I, for me personally, I think that that can apply to anyone and that anyone's welcome to like read that. And that's for them too. That's up to them. Well, fantastic for that. Jen, uh, where can we find you on social media? Oh, social media, <laughs> the billboard. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so on Instagram, which I love because I make it more of a community, which is what I hope people do. It's at Jen, J-E-N underscore Lily, L-I-L-L-E-Y. And then from there, you can click the link in my bio and it will direct you to all the other places. So we'll keep it simple. Perfect. Jen Lilly, yeah. face of Hallmark Channel, musician, mother, adoptive mother, caretaker, uh, minister at this point. You know, we're going to get you your own church, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, everything else. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we took an hour and a half conversation, crammed it into 25 minutes, which is exactly what we expected <laughs> from, awesome. from, uh, from Go. Uh, thank you again. And hopefully we could do a set visit for anything that you got going on in the near future. <laughs> Once we get, oh, I'd love it too. Plus, you know, we got to get out of the house. Oh my God. I know. I know. I know. Literally like you, you get the mail and you're like, who wants to walk to the mailbox? I do. I'll go get the mail. It's fine. And then the problem is you're like, all right, who wants to walk to the end of the street? Okay. Well, you know. (laughs) Get your mask. At least in California. Anyway. All right. Thank you so much, Jen. I greatly appreciate it. Same. All right. Bye. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.